following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022, season 17. I'm sorry, season 18, episode number four. Welcome where would to we be without that? Oh, my God. miss that year. There's no way we're going to miss that year. Uh, welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick, Dave, and Amber here with me. We got a full crew. Uh, it's been now a few weeks now we've been rolling with a full crew, so this is good. Let's keep this going. Although I won't be able it's to be here you. next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so, up to you, Derek. I was about to say. Uh, yeah, next week I got I got something I got to do. So I won't be here next week. Uh, I assume one of you guys will will host and, and keep this thing rolling heading into the draft. So, uh, But I'll be back for the week of the draft, so that'll yeah. be good. Cool. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Really, Nick? Is that where we're going to go? Is that how yeah, we treat I each just, other? I just meant, yay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because the week of the draft, I mean, it's going to be like, Dave the show. draft show. It's yeah. going to be the Dave show. Dave, tell us about this guy. That's hey, tell what us we about want. that guy. Sure. All right, good. Um, here's what we're going to do. We started a, a little bit of a, well, not a little bit. We started a conversation last week about uh, the draft and what the Cowboys have done over the last five years. We thought we would get through uh, several rounds. Um, these guys only got through one. And so that leaves us with a total of six other rounds that we can talk about today. And uh, we're going to jump into the second round right off the bat. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kelvin Joseph last time, um, and we we talked about you know kind of where his expectations are, where his ceiling is. But I want to I want to move to the other cornerback, the cornerback that had the phenomenal season this year. And my question for you guys is, what are your thoughts on Trayvon Diggs? I know that's a big question, but I think there's like there are these different schools of thought. Some people focus on the fact that he's got all these interceptions. Some people want to focus on the fact that they think he gives up too many yards. Or there, there's, there's this a really big range of opinions out there with regards to what Trayvon Diggs is and how good he is as a cornerback. What do you think? My honest, genuine opinion is that the only reason that this is even a conversation is because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I've never in my life can remember a conversation like this where a guy that was named first team all pro is being like hotly debated about whether or not he's good at his job it's unbelievable to me and and it's a valid criticism he he he's a gambling type of cornerback he's he certainly was beaten on plenty of occasions he was still one of the best four or five cornerbacks in the league last year the numbers speak for themselves and on top of that it's ironic because they got rid of the guy that didn't give up yards but didn't make plays because that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Like they got rid of Byron Jones for this very reason, and they got exactly what they said they wanted, which is a guy that makes plays. Uh, when you play with um, aggression like that, when you gamble like that, you're going to give up some plays. Trayvon Diggs did not give up plays nearly often enough that people are like, he's a liability. Okay, whatever. He led the league in picks. Shut up. Um, if he played for the 
uh, anyone. If he played for the Indianapolis Colts, I would be reading think pieces about why are we not talking about the best corner in the league, Trayvon? D- kind of like Xavier Howard in Miami. People yeah. are like, if you're a real football fan, you know who Xavier Howard is, and only casuals don't realize that he's the best. And then Trayvon Diggs has an 11 pick season, and people are like, is he good? It's ridiculous, and it's just it's one of those things. Uh, the Cowboys are the most polarizing team in the NFL, and that's it is what it is. I'll get off my soapbox nah, now. Yeah, Dave talked for three minutes. You should have talked for three seconds. Sorry. This is dumb. This is, it's dumb. He's, a, he's an outstanding football player. And, and the only people that don't say that are trying to justify the publication that they work for. Does it look like we dig deeper into the numbers and all that? That's bull. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. He has 11 interceptions last year. He scored two touchdowns. I don't know if he gave up two. He gave up maybe two or three. That's a great ratio. That's 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 exactly what you want from a corner. I absolutely love him. I love the guy. Love his son too. The cutest. But he he's someone that you know, and you guys know that I'm super critical. Yeah. And I criticize you a are. lot of people yeah. here on the show. No, uh, really? it's because of the show and the job. I mean, that's what it is. Whatever. But, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, my point is I'm not gonna criticize someone that has done things that I haven't seen happen in the cornerback position for the Dallas Cowboys in a really long time, at least not since the time I've been here. I'm not going to criticize someone that has made the secondary of the Dallas Cowboys be exciting and be something that you look forward to in a game. So I take those criticism, put it to the side. I'm happy he's here. I'm glad to see what he's done. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And I think he's a player that hasn't necessarily reached the ceiling I think he can keep improving in those areas that people are criticizing I'm not saying he's always going to have that amount of interceptions and every year even get more but he can definitely keep improving in the areas that he's being criticized for you look at the second round picks that the Dallas Cowboys have made over the last five years Kelvin Joseph Trayvon Diggs Tristan Hill Connor Williams and Cheeto Beowuzie and I want to talk a little about a Cheeto because going on that same thing of cornerbacks do you guys think that that maybe there is this unrealistic expectation from fans, maybe from media, of what a good cornerback is? Because you look at guys like the conversation came up with Byron Jones. Like, is that really a good cornerback? He didn't give up a lot, but he wasn't getting the interceptions. Cheeto Bay, I mean, people wanted to say he's not that good. Now, you can question how much money he was given, uh, but he had a good year last year. Um, do you think, and then obviously Trayvon Diggs, but you, do you think there's an unrealistic expectation that either you have to be Deion Sanders or you suck at cornerback? There always has been, at least since the league started changing over this last decade. Outside of being a great quarterback, it's the hardest job in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, you you can't win. You cannot win. Receivers, you know, we keep talking about how five and six freak receivers come into the league every year. Kids are playing seven on seven from the age of eight. The rules basically dictate that the game is going to be pass happy. And you have to be good enough to, you know, if, if you give up, 60 percent completions you're probably pretty good you know like the deck is stacked against cornerbacks it's always been unfair cheeto was fine while he was here he wasn't amazing but he was a solid player anthony brown is a solid player i mean we spend so much time talking about him because people think he's a bum when he's really not and it was the same thing with cheeto in my opinion yeah yeah i mean good enough to get nine million a year i mean cheeto to me reminds me of anthony hitchens of like yeah, I mean, it, it's okay, and, and we, we can't afford to pay you. We probably wouldn't mind keeping you, but, you know, you're going to get that kind of money. Go ahead. And then he went and, and went to a team that ended up doing well and playing in the playoffs. 
if Cincinnati didn't make the playoffs, I don't think anyone would have been talking a lot about Cheeto. You know, a lot of the fans wouldn't have seen him a lot. Which, and it's it's it, Hitchens is a fantastic point because people see, and I'm thrilled for Cheeto. I'm glad he got his contract. I'm glad he wound up on a good team, got to make that run, had a good season. But people see Cheeto in the Super Bowl, and it's like, well, we screwed that up. It's like, no, you didn't. Right. You didn't. Anthony Hitchens going to the Chiefs. Yeah, he didn't put the Chiefs over the top. With all due respect to him, I'm not trying to throw him under yeah. the bus, but like. He went to the team that had Mahomes and all these other, like he was a nice piece on a Super Bowl team. It's not like Anthony Hitchens carried them across the finish line and it's like, oh, we made a mistake by not giving Anthony Hitchens sixty million dollars. No. And I don't think they made a mistake by not giving Cheeto twenty three million. Yeah, and I don't think they did either. I do think though that Cheeto had a bad rap here. I think that fans probably thought of him as much lesser of a player than I think he really is. You guys agree with that? Well, he was, I mean, there was a good while when he, when he was dealing with a hamstring injury and he was out and then there were questions <laughs> around that too. Is he yeah. really all that hurt or is he, you know, really trying to get recovery and get back on the field? I think there, there, there were rumors on that around here. <laughs> but I, going back to your question too, I think it's a combination of both where you have to, yes, on one end you, you – you have higher expectations sometimes, but it's like, how do you combine everything? Because you're not going to get everything. It's like, if you see Anthony Brown combined with Chirovia Wuzie, you're like, okay, eh, that's not necessarily the best combination there, but you're going to need a guy like Anthony Brown on the team, paired with someone maybe like Trevon Diggs. So, and yes, Cheeto was with Byron Jones at a time, but again, I can't even remember how long he was hurt for, but expectations went up when he had that run what was it that he ran like a cheetah i guess like 25 seconds <laughs> yeah he, he ran was, like 25 miles an 25 hour but it was crazy but i think, but I think, I think that dolphins. after seeing something yeah. like that your expectations go even a lot higher and you're like okay well this guy is very um talented uh, not talented what's the word i'm athletic athletic and he can maybe be this type of player but then injuries happen and then he just never Really, we never really got to see it to that level. You realize he had basically the exact same season in Cincinnati of his normal seasons here. I'm looking at his numbers. He started 14 games for them, 64 tackles, 14 breakups, two picks. Uh, his two, his 18 and 19 seasons in Dallas started 14 and 16, 71 tackles, 79 tackles, 11 breakups, 14 breakups, one pick each year. So he he had more picks in Cincinnati. It was two instead of one. But yeah. I bet, but, I but you in know, the playoffs, but, and that, I, I think that actually tells the postseason. I think he had two in the postseason. But that also tells he had you my one point. In the postseason. One in the that also tells you my point. Is it was the if, yeah, I think it was the Super Bowl. If you look at how media and fans in Cincinnati talk about him. They think about him as, man, that's a really good cornerback. In Dallas, it was like, man, get this guy out of here. He's a bum. And that's my point. Like, I do think, and there's probably somewhere in between. I'm not saying he's great. I'm certainly not saying he was great. He had a lot of room for improvement. But I also think there's this unfair expectation that that cornerbacks have here in Dallas that fans and media put on them that there's an expectation. It's Anthony Brown. Anthony yeah. Brown is not a bad cornerback. But you listen to fans talk. There's a thought that he's not very good, but and I just don't think that's actually because fair. what you just said. The fans, it, they they a lot of them don't have the middle ground, and they don't have to because no one's going to hold them accountable. Absolutely, you can. I mean, there's you don't have to be. You know, are you really angry? Are you really happy? No, no. I'm just 
I'm, if you win games, yeah. you're happy and you don't right. care about any but, of that. But it's stuff. just it's just everything is so black and white all the time. There's an in between. He was a he was a solid player. Right. He was a good, he was a good player. A second round expectation. I don't know if I paid nine million for him, but he was right. a solid player. Yeah. That's and that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's okay. It wasn't a bad pick. It wasn't a bad pick. They they needed corners. They got two that year. One of them's still here. The other one priced himself out of being here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jordan and Cheeto both are the like definition of my opinion of like decent to good picks. Not great picks because yeah. if they were well, Jordan did get a second contract, but wasn't great. Not yeah. great. It not was like a. Cheeto. It was like if a. You come back to us, we'll sign. The Cowboys kind of got their price, yeah. whereas Cheeto was like, "I'm getting a better price than what you're offering me." Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I feel a tremendous amount of sympathy for cornerbacks in, in the modern NFL, and I think Cheeto is a, a very good player. And I think along those lines, if we're moving on, I mean, I think Connor Williams is exactly the same. Yeah. He started, he played, he wasn't good enough for them, but he, he was good enough for the Dolphins to make a lot of money. So yeah. kind of the same type of deal. I think and, our – sorry, go ahead. No, I, was, I just – the, the, the holding penalties, that will color my opinion of Connor – uh, I mean, his last season was his worst season here. I yeah, think it's supposed to be the other way. Yeah, yeah. Got and benched. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sucks. But got his job back. I'm. We literally we had we had an argument about this in the office this morning where it was like, you know, what what dictates the success of a second round pick? Like okay. what benchmarks? Well, and unfortunately, I haven't had time to do the research. I'm going to do this because fortunately, they changed the CBA in eleven. And it, I think that changed the way you look at the draft. I I want to know how many second round draft picks over the last decade have signed second contracts with their team because I think that is that's the expectation when when you're drafted in the second round. I wonder how often is that it happens. Cornerstone kind of pieces for your franchise. Is that the idea, or what? What are Just you saying? Guys that you like enough to bring them back and like okay. we're gonna yeah we will pay you above market value to come and continue to be part of our team because. Connor Williams is such a. We talked about him a little bit last week. That's such a. It's a fascinating case study because he's right on the line of like good or disappointing pick. Because on one hand, you're like, he started four years for us. He got it. He helped us get to the playoffs twice. And on the other hand, you're like, he's a top fifty pick who had his worst season in his last year and you didn't resign. And so, you could say either one. You could say he was a pretty good pick or he's a disappointing pick. And I think both sides have a case. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. If it really, if if teams really evaluate it based upon, do they end up in a second contract with the team that drafted them? It doesn't look good for Dallas. I mean, obviously Cheeto, Connor. You can question whether you think Tristan Hill will be back, but he certainly has been injured so much. You haven't really gotten a real good feel for what he can do. The hit the hit rate in the second round in the time that I've been here is pretty bad. Let's honestly, and let's let's also factor in a little bit too is that. All teams kind of view it differently, and if you want to take it back a little bit more than five years, I mean, we know the Cowboys have have used the second mm-hmm. round as a as a trying to hit home runs. Yeah, you know, and they swing for the fences. They they they're getting the guy that's injured that it fell a little bit for whatever the reason. Um, they've always done that, mm-hmm. and so they took a risk with Jalen Smith. Uh, they took a risk with um, the tank. With tank, they took a risk with Bruce Carter, who had a yeah. torn ACL. I Randy, mean, Randy Gregory, with huge risk. There are questions about Kelvin Joseph. That's why yeah. he was in the second round. It wasn't his athleticism that, exactly. that pushed him to the second round. Exactly. So this, so their What's philosophy wrong? might no, be a little different than others, yeah. which is which is fine. I mean, but they are trying to hit home runs, and I, I don't know if you would say that they've, <laughs> they, you know, that that approach hasn't really work it hasn't paid the type of dividends that you would hope we what thought. was the what was the risk with tank that's why i made that face isn't he injured 
I thought he was in. Uh, I don't honestly. I don't re- remember that. Okay. Not not really. Because I don't. I would trade it up to go get. Yeah. it. Now that was the risk. A sec- I guess it's the risk that you third. don't have a third round pick. Yeah, but and when, when was Lyle? He, uh, he wasn't, wasn't drafted. That but was, that oh, was he just was, a he dropped okay. out of the draft. There was, okay, yeah, there was yeah, thought he would the, be a yeah. first round pick, but yeah, he, yeah. he I dropped forgot out he wasn't draft drafted. Completely. I thought he yeah. just dropped back too. Um, but they, yeah, they they like to they like to you know try to you know get a home run there, and, and they, it hasn't happened. I mean, we thought the ball was going over the fence there for Jalen Smith, but it, it didn't. The wind got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> swiped it back in. That is. Um, that is a fantastic analogy of like you just belt that thing to left That's center. Gone. Everyone does that when they go to a game. Like, gone, gone, and the, the left fielder's like. Oh, I think it was a, yeah. No, yeah. it was it was it was to the track because when he made it when he made it to the Pro Bowl, the, the outfielder like, had his his heels on the warning track, but it just couldn't get that extra like six feet. And then all of a sudden that thing's. And then yeah, it's back. He's not in the league, Here's, is he? Uh, I think he's with the Giants. He's still the Giants. Yeah. I didn't think he was gone from the Giants. I saw I something think, the other day just... where he posted something, and a lot of the comments were like, I hope the Giants sign you back. So I, uh, I don't huh. know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't keep up with him, so I can't really tell you for sure. I don't either. What were you about to ask him? I have a question, and this is kind of difficult, uh, I guess, maybe to answer, but... You know, the draft brings me a lot of frustration because we always hear you're drafting for the future and all that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you got to worry about the now and this year and this season and all that. And we've seen, and talking about the draft picks that they've made and all that, we've seen the kind of guys that they've had a lot of success with. And then now talking about these guys that end up leaving or whatever, where they're a bust or not, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, how do you really look at what the Cowboys have done over the year? And and at what point do you say, okay, maybe regardless of the hits that they have had through the draft, is it time to change strategy? Is it time to do something different? Is it time to go into the draft and do what maybe other teams that have been more successful than the Cowboys have been doing in recent years? Or do you focus on the kind of success that they've had with certain guys, you know, like at what point do you maybe think it's time to really switch gears and take <laughs> this a different way? That's what we've talked about. I, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think they should change their draft philosophy at all. Um, it's working. I think they should change their free agent mm. philosophy and and go for mm. more talent to play. And I think, and, and if that means trading a fourth or fifth round pick for a guy that's proven i think they need to do that route a little bit more often but they are what they've done with the draft i think works i I do now we say second round i mean there's some hits and misses there but i'll put their track record up against just about anybody i mean mean, taco is the only first round pick that has not made a pro bowl right and Um, first round pick going going all the way back to tyron smith looking bobby carpenter uh, 06. Okay. Yeah, that's way before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, uh, Mo, bef- Mo, right before, oh, right, right before Tyron Mo. And that was ah, that was a tough one. I mean, I just everyone was was pumped about that. I mean, yeah, he was no a great doubt. player and I think I've brought this up before. I was covering LSU the year he got drafted and I'm not trying to sound like the smartest guy in the room, but I was like, "Oh, He's not Patrick Peterson." Really? That, that, but again, like I can't prove that I felt you that think way. It happens sometimes in like it, mm-hmm. That sometimes a guy yes. can ride the coattail of a great player, mm-hmm. and they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they another player that was at their position at their school that they kind of 
go in behind them and everybody's Bobby like, well, Carpenter. maybe he's that next guy. Mo know? was Bobby in – well, yeah. forget being the next guy. Mo was in a secondary with Patrick Peterson – Tyron Matthew and Eric Reed. I mean, they were those were some <laughs> wow. loaded defenses. Wow, I didn't know Eric Reed was in that same secondary. Wow. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, in I mean, I I think he could have been a much better player if he'd had a better run of luck with injuries. Yeah, but I agree. I never bought the hype that he was worthy of six overall. But anyway, not to get derailed. Yeah, but for the most part, their first round picks have been have been pretty good. I mean, it, it, it'd be pretty high in the Zeke and the. Parsons and Tyron, and then even low in the first round, Byron Jones, uh, Travis Frederick. Travis, yeah. They've other than Taco and and more and Mo. I I I just I don't think there are more than three or four teams that you could argue are better than them at drafting. I mean, like the Ravens come to mind. It seems like the Ravens always do an incredible job in the draft. What do you think? I mean, what do you 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 think they should change it up? Change up. I mean the. Well, when it comes to the draft, I mean, I, and we've always looked at like Will McClay and his whole team, the excellent job that they've done. So I, I'm all up for it. But I would go back to what you said. It's like free agency. It's like something needs to change, and you can't keep saying or waiting for people to lower their prices and be waiting like waiting for the scraps, the le- leftover of what's on free agency. And up to this point. We keep thinking, oh, they're gonna. What are they gonna do with that money? Who are they gonna bring to maybe add some depth in certain positions, especially the O line, prior to the draft, so that you don't get to the point where you're forced to pick Which, a specific position. But they haven't done that. Well, you know what's funny is uh, Rob and I were arguing. Rob Phillips and I were arguing about this this morning. I'll take his point right out of his mouth because I thought it was really good. Is I was like, well, you know what you got, what you got from Connor Williams is a pretty good pick. It's not t- like he started four years, everything I just said. And Rob was like, yeah, well, when this is your free agent strategy, you need better than that from your top 100. Like, Great point. Yeah. Yeah. you need better production from your big draft picks if you refuse to spend money the other way. And I was like, holy crap, that's a really good that point. Is, that is yeah. a good point. That is a good point. Especially uh, for the top 100. Right. And so... Will and his guys do a great job. We say it over and over again, and I truly believe that. But I think I said it on the show a week or two ago. Like, you put a tremendous amount of pressure on them when you're like, great job, do it again. We have to have another Micah, or we have to have a guy that's better than Connor Williams if we're going to be better this year. And it's on you to find him. It's not realistic. Because that's the thing. The Cowboys do a great job in the draft. They still miss on a somewhat regular basis. Because guess what? Everyone does. Because it's really hard. Yeah, but here's here's the tough part too that that I think has to be factored in. There was a time when Dallas had the strategy of we're going to go spend big in free agency, and they still had the same ultimate well, results. We all know, and, we and, all agree that that's not what we want them to do. No, I get it, I get it. I'm saying my point is like they have. It seems like they have these wild swings. Like at one point they were spending big. Like Nick, you remember when? Well, they had like three free agents, three big free agents. They signed on the first day of free agency. Like that was the kind of stuff they were doing. March second, two thousand five. Yeah, didn't work. And then you go to the other extreme, and you're like, well, we're not gonna really. We're gonna only go for bargain basement type deals. We're not gonna really sign big guys. We're gonna re-sign our own guys, and that still has the same results. It's almost like you kind of want them to say. There is an in-between. Like, yeah. You don't necessarily have to go to one extreme or the yes. other. Find one really, really good fr- free agent that can change the complexion of your team and spend on him. Since and then go to to, to, to to the draft to get the rest of your guys. Since 2005, that day that we talked about, they, they, draft, they signed three guys in one day. They did it again, I believe, in like 12 or 13. One of those years they got like Brandon Carr. might have been 12. Mm-hmm. They got like – Big deal. They got like mm-hmm. big deal all in, like right at the – 
start of free agency. But in those that 18 years, 17 years, that's about it. Yeah. Just two times they've really just like huge splashes. And 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 think about it. 2005, Anthony Henry, Marco Rivera, and I forgot the other guy. Um, Anthony. Oh, uh, Jason Ferguson. Mm. Yeah. None of those three were that no. great. And then the next time they really did it, Brandon Carr. Uh, I know Kyle Orton was one of them. Um, there was a couple others, and they weren't. I mean, they were like Nate Livings and Vickers. Mm-hmm. So when they did, when they do make big splashes, it hasn't worked out either. Yeah, so. and that's my point. Like, but, I think they look at it like, well, we tried that. But uh, my thought would be, that doesn't mean you got to go all or none, right? There is an in between. Well, Maybe they did pretty good last you know, year. You know, they they kind of bargain hunted, but they did pretty. But I'm saying, it, is there one guy out there that is a bona fide? Among the best at his position, who you who you're like, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna make him a target and we're gonna bring him into our team. Yeah. And then all the rest of them are gonna be bargain basement types. But but is that an option? You know, at some yeah. point. You know, yes, it, it is. And I think this is the time I'm gonna throw out this other point that I think fans forget a lot. And I I don't. No one likes it either. But it's like a lot of the fans that are like, what are they doing with this money? They have all this money. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that maybe get their whole paycheck and spend it all. You know what I mean? Because because the 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 part is is the Cowboys are saving their money. It rolls into next year. People forget that Dak is making forty million a year. He's not made forty million yet. This he counted like twenty. He's counting like fifteen. Mm-hmm. So at some point it's gonna really, really hit. And these you keep rolling these in and so that's what they're saving for. These these monies are about to go up and, and people forget that. They're like, What are they doing with this extra fifteen million? Yeah. Rolling it into next year because it's going to be worse than this year, you know? So that's something you got to remember. The writing seems to be on the wall, in my opinion, that they're, I don't want to say they're more focused. I think, like, I just, I think they have their eye on 2023 and 2024 in terms of like, this is where the cap jumps and we can do this and that and the other. And that's all well and good. What about 2022? That's my thing. And not like, it's a wonderful point. I don't, think fans should have to care about that no they shouldn't it's not demarcus lawrence said it perfectly when he was like that's not my problem it's not my problem for like helping you figure out how to get Dak under contract it's not the fans problems for you to figure out your books Mm -hmm. people are still talking about the rant you went on a couple weeks ago because they liked it so much (laughs) when and it did it it didn't do anything no of course it didn't do anything but like and you're 100% right, and it's they have to worry about all of that, and the four-year picture is just as important as right now. Fans don't give a damn, and they shouldn't yeah. have to. Here's the question, though, if we're going to take it back to the, I said push the chips all in. Yeah. What do the Cowboys think that they, they're holding? If we're going to keep the poker reference. You know, Do they think they've got so you're saying is it a question of do they think they actually have a team that they are that they can just push off? That's what I'm saying. Or do they think that or do they think that they've now got, we're now we're talking? That, yeah, that or, or do they? Or do I think they the have Cowboys think ten unsuited. Yeah, I and think like could be good, but it it's may, not worth pushing it all in. Be nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think again, would they say any of this on the record? No, but I think that they're more along the lines of like, all right, like you know, we can win the East this year because it's not very good. Uh, but we're not, you know, we, we, I'm not good at poker. Like is a pair of eights really good? Um, yeah. I mean, we'll say or aces, eights. I know eights. enough to know that okay. ace pair of aces. You're going to play. You're going to play. All right. Well then they got less than that. That's what I'm saying is like, they're like, all right, we could I win, I, but I don't, buy that, I don't buy that even a little bit just because, and you guys have all been around him too. 
Jerry is the most optimistic person on the planet. There's no way anybody can convince me that Jerry doesn't go into every year saying, we got a shot. Like, we legitimately got a shot. And I think he honestly Except believes that. Except for the year that they actually, when he said it's going to be tough. What, right, that one year. Challenge. Yeah, that one year. And we went 12-4. Uh, and, and and I think that was more about him kind of hedging his bet publicly. Yeah. But privately, I bet he was saying, we got a shot. Like, I think but every year he thinks they got a shot. Jerry also says every year all you got to do is get into the tournament. Yeah. Well, 9-8 and eight and winning the East gets you into the tournament. And then it's valid to say you never know what's going to happen. I mean, the Niners were... A, a hair away from getting there. Speaking of, you never know what's going to happen. I know we got to go to break. Just, just yesterday. Chris is over there probably losing but, his mind. But, but yesterday yeah. is a prime example when we were sitting at our office of you never know what's going to happen, you know. And what an odd pairing of that showed up in our office yesterday. Charles Haley. Oh yeah. Quincy Carter. <laughs> so random. Hey, when well, did just that so, happen? I don't just know. So where random. You so random. Nick, I'm in my office. I'm on a call, and Nick's like. And I'm looking out like, is that Quincy Carter? Like, it, yeah, just random. Just random out of nowhere. I I mean, we were downstairs shooting something. I, what? Okay. It was cool. in the afternoon. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. We had a nice little conversation. He's yeah. doing well. Qu- yeah. Quincy is, yeah. Yep. It was it was an interesting conversation yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, Always. yeah. That's... It. Last time we talked to him, we did a documentary with yeah, him, and he was like, "Good job on that." And I was like, "Oh, good." good. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we're so sure what he thought. About I didn't know what you thought about but, that. Yeah. yeah. He, wow. I guess he liked it. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take. There, I, Go ahead. I mean, I'm standing there, and Nick and I were talking, discussing this Mexico stuff, and then I see this guy walking by, trying to get Nick's attention. He's like. Yeah. Psst, I'm like, hey, th- this guy's calling you. <laughs> like, I had no idea who he was. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Whoa, this guy's Quincy calling Carter. you. I don't know who he is, What's but he's that? calling you. Quincy. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to move to the third round, talk about some of these third-round picks, and hopefully get to the fourth round. We'll see if we can get there this week. We'll do that mm-hmm. when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. We're teaching Grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. 
there's still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting Cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com slash Cowboys. Back to the break. SLR Lenses lets you see every exciting play, book an appointment at your local SLR experts, and find the perfect SLR lens for you. See more, do more, SLR. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live in the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We did find out some uh, a little bit of sad news um, over the last week. It's actually been, man, you, you think about Miss Marilyn who passed a couple, was that a month or two ago? About three weeks. Uh, three weeks ago. And and then now, last week, we hear about Rayfield Wright, right. who passed away on Thursday, I think it was. Uh, and then over the weekend, we hear about uh, the death of uh, Gary Brown, who was a former running back coach here with the Cowboys. I never really spent a lot of time around Rayfield Wright, so I can't really speak to him. But Gary Brown was a guy that I, I, I really enjoyed being around. I, I, I tell people all the time, how he used to give our team a hard time before games uh, because it, he would inevitably ask, did y'all pick us this week? And uh, and and then he would be like, we're going to kill him. Like, we're going to get him this week. And, of course, if they didn't win, he was not the kind that would run from it. He'd just kind of be like, hey, we'll get him next yeah. time. Like, you know, he just he was a good dude. He engaged everybody that was around. His, his smile was just one that was infectious. You just wanted to be around him. He was a good dude. Yeah, you, you appreciate that. And that little exchange that we had for a couple of years there, um, you appreciate it for a couple of reasons. Number one, he kind of would get on to us if we didn't pick him because he's – He's a coach he's of coach, the team. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's they spent all week doing that. He also understood the business. He understood where our our stance. So on it wasn't were. personal. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't at all. And so you you anytime you you get people that that you know, I think you're wrong, but I, you know I respect what you do. Like that's that's the perfect time ty- uh, type of coach or you know front office personnel or whatever that, that you know that they respect what you do uh whether or not they agree with it or not and and he was that way and he was so he's so fun to talk to and always in good mood consistent so that's the thing Sad. with uh with gary was like um he engaged with us which like a lot of people a lot of coaches and even and players as well is like whether or not they view the media as the enemy, like a lot of them are just like the media is not there. You know, like they'll look right through you or look right past you. I brought this up the other day, like at training camp, you know, like guys run out. They they act like there's no fans in the stands. Nobody's doing anything. Like just pretend like nobody's there. Gary was the opposite. Like Gary would come out early yeah. and like say hi to the fans. He's all like he's joking with Clarence Hill or, or ribbing people about like, oh, you look hungover. Like, what were you out doing last? Just just that was one time you said. that. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, he was just he was a lot of fun to be around. And I was yeah. I was really disappointed and sad to hear that. Yeah. And for fans who maybe don't know much about him, there was a piece that you guys did that we did a few years mm-hmm. back that was highlighting this was around training camp mm-hmm. that it was kind of highlighting the running back group mm. and you got to see some of him on the personal side and how he invites players for a cookout he'll yeah. invite them with his own family and all that and and just the relationship he has with people and honestly this news uh, it, it, it was so unexpected to me I had no idea what mm. he was going through and dealing with at all and it was very shocking and it really hurts when I see people that have that kind of energy, that kind of positivity, the smile. Because you think in your head, man, that person can fight through anything. Mm-hmm. And, and when someone's so positive like that, you just, it, it was very heartbreaking for me to see 
someone so great like him as a person and the energy that he has and, and just kind of not be able to finish up battling what he was dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when we're talking about him, the person, which, you know, that's where it starts. Um, as the coach, though, and I mentioned this to you guys, I think, on a, on a text, uh, he was here seven years. In seven years, they had six 1,000-yard rushers. Mm. The only one that, that didn't rush for 1,000 yards was Zeke in 2017 when he was suspended six games and still ran for 973. Yep. Um, he had Marco Murray's best two years was his first two with um, with uh, Gary Brown. Darren McFadden comes mm-hmm. out of Oakland and goes for eleven hundred yards. Zeke had you know great years, and then he goes to Wisconsin dealing with health issues. They have, the guy gets hurt. A freshman comes in with the last seven games and rushes for twelve hundred yards. Mm-hmm. The guy can coach. Yeah, he can coach football. He played it. He knows it. He can relate to them. And also like. You know, pretty damn good player in his own right well, as well. Was. Like, yeah. uh, I'll never. F- I I knew that he went to Penn State. He had a decent Penn State career. Like, he never had a thousand yard season in college. He had two in the pros. So, like, he had a better pro career than college. And I'll never forget. I think it was the um, it was the hail mary game season finale against the Giants in 2018, which I think would have made Saquon a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um. And they, you know, they won on the last play, and yada yada. They were going to the playoffs, but like we get off the bus and we're going to get on the plane, like we always do. And Gary had Saquon's jersey, which I was like, holy, like I was like, that's pretty damn cool, man. Yeah. And like he knew him from Penn State, and he was very, he was a very proud alum, and etc. But I just was like, Wait, that's really cool. I'm sorry, are you talking about the Beasley catch? As yes. The, okay. Okay. I'm sorry, we can't just say Hail Mary, and I'm just like, I, I it took me a second. I don't second. remember Hail Mary. Hail Mary yeah. to win. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, it was I, like a desperation throw. It, it was. It was. A, just, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't Staubach. No, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, like, I'm not trying to. I, I just think. I knew what you were talking about, Dave. Did you? Because yeah, I, I, I was, was racking my brain like <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fifty-yard throws to win games. Yeah. Uh, okay. It don't happen too often. Yeah. Might have been yeah, thirty-two yeah. yards, but whatever. It was. <laughs> it was a far throw. All right. Anyway. But no, it, it's it, cool. Just, just wanted to mention and, and give him some time and some due because uh, he was a really, really good guy. And, and in this business, yeah. like, as Dave said, you don't always necessarily get those kinds of personalities on the football side. And by the way, a lot of the, it, it is just like. There's a mistrust that I think happens between you're a freaky man. What? It was, was a thirty. It was a thirty-two same, yard pass. I was <laughs> the same thing. I'm like, oh okay, my but god. He was like, he was behind the line of scrimmage though, and Beasley was in the back so of the end zone. Like oh yeah, so, so he was nine and a half yards into the end zone. Yeah, so yeah. it was like a forty-something yard All right. throw. All right, but it. it was. But on the record, on the record, thirty-two. The that record. is God. <laughs> Nick will forget. Nick will forget something 31. he told me this oh, morning. Oh, I texted him in the middle. I texted him at ten forty-five. I was like, were you doing anything? I was like, yeah, on the draft show, ass. I mean, like, I you didn't that say that. Yesterday. I brought us yesterday. I called Broadus literally while he was on the show trying to catch up with him. He's like, I'm doing your show. I'm like, oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> he might have said ass. <laughs> he might have he mentioned that word. So, but, yeah, but, but, but Nick Nick knows the score of the Jets the Jets game from 1994 or whatever. Well, they played him in 93. See? There we go. <laughs> and they beat him. Yeah. I know you got it. No, I really oh. – 27-7? Beam, you mm. want to get there first or me? 27-7 is the is the, the answer. Is it the answer? I don't think it's right. That's not right. 
Dang it. I'm mad now. Kevin Smith scored a touchdown in that game. Interception for a touchdown on Bo- off Boomer Esiason. Mm. But I don't think. 28-7. to seven. Oh, no. You were so. Oh, one point off. You were one point off. Make your extra point. <laughs> Eddie Murray? Jeez. No, I'm just kidding. Probably a bunch Jeez. Of yeah. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to. I think this time we really are going to talk about the third round. Uh, talk about some of the picks over the last five years. We're going to come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United Ag and Turf, the official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit unitedagandturf.com. The Cowboys Way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys Way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. At AT AT&T... Everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone. Even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Back to the break. All right, 2022 draft is just around the corner here. Yeah, Head to the Star in Frisco for the draft party presented by Miller Lite. It's Thursday, April 28th through Saturday, April 30th. It's a three-day event. Enjoy live draft coverage, entertainment, free youth camp on Friday. The Draft Day 5K presented by Baylor's Cotton White on Saturday morning. For more details, visit DallasCowboys.com. You know, I actually think we should set a time. Uh, on that day, can't calf injury. We got set a time on that day when Dave and Nick and Amber go out to the plaza where the party will be and sign some autographs and take some pictures with fans and just let them know that we'll be out there at that time. You guys go out and spend a little time with the. I'm live streaming from like 10:30 a.m. until 6 p.m. No, you're not on Saturday of the draft. But. Oh, yeah, on Saturday, right? What if we meet out there like at 9.30 and you guys do that? no one in their right mind would be there. No. Not that early, right? 
know. All right, y'all text me. Let me. I mean, y'all tweet right, me. Let me know. Let me know if you want. Uh, if you want Nick and Dave and Amber and to come out. And two two people are gonna tweet yeah, yeah, Derek, yeah. and he's like, "The people have spoken." <laughs> yeah. right. You do that all the time. You're like, a lot of people were really mad about that. It's like one, one no, person. No, it was if his we mom. Get, look, if we get, if I get ten of them, you guys do it. How about okay. that? Okay. If I get ten tweets saying I will show up to spend time with those three, then you guys do it. Right? Can't wait. Check check whether these people are located because it could be like North Carolina. If they're going to come in, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Direct from Raleigh. They're going to tweet you and not show up. Yeah, right. All right, let's talk about third round. Dave, give me a quick synopsis of your thought on what is a third round pick? What makes for a successful third round pick? I have always said I I view the top 100 as like those guys need to be – um, significant contributors for you. I think I even in third round. Yes. Okay. Top one hundred picks. All right. Um, I I used to think if you're a top third three pick, you need to start right away. I've kind of adjusted my thoughts on that a little bit. I think in a lot of cases maybe that's unrealistic. But if you're drafted in the top one hundred, I expect you to have a pretty clearly defined role right away. Uh, whether Jazz Green messed it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's and it's not just the Cowboys. I think just over the years, because I think that's the third round. I think is really where the draft starts to get wonky in the sense of beauties in the eye of the it's beholder, flavor, yeah, flavor, but also like fit on your team. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like uh, this is an extreme example, but like if you desperately need a punter and there's a good punter, like one team could screw that whole thing up for everybody, yeah. or um, maybe you need. A specific role player for your scheme that other you're like really you're drafting that guy in the third and it's like well I'm not asking him to to do all of this right away I just need him to do this one thing so I just think I think there's potential for things to kind of get sideways there uh, but even having said that I mean let's where 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 are you talking last five years is that yeah so so here are the guys you got Oso Digizua uh, last year with Chauncey Golston That's both fun. were selected at fifty at seventy five and eighty four. Uh, and Nation Wright at uh, 99. You had Neville Gallimore at 82. You had Connor McGovern at 90. Michael Gallup at 81. And Jordan Lewis at 92. Those have been the, the, the third round picks of the last five years. That's largely pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, Jordan, again, picked eight spots outside the top 100. He's still here. He's he's actually he is his arrow continues to go up because if you he he was hurt as a rookie. He he got time here and there. And then in Chris Richard and Rod Marinelli's scheme, like they didn't yeah. favor him. Like they didn't give him a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. He decided to stay. It paid off. I think last year was his best year as a Cowboy. Hey, I credit them also. They usually do this in the second round. It's been a long time, but if you remember, Jordan Lewis had some off the field concerns that a lot of teams decided not to even to yeah. take him off the board. And and they did their homework on him, talked to him. They were very confident that whatever accusations were against him were going to be dropped, and they were false. And they, they were right. I mean, he's one of our favorite people mm-hmm. to yeah. talk Which, to. And, yeah. and you never want to. I've learned this lesson the hard way in a few instances. Like you don't want to speak too firmly about anybody because at the end of the day, we only see a sliver of these people. But like the thought that Jordan was a quote-unquote character concern coming into the NFL is almost unbelievable to me from what we've learned about him over the years. Yeah, like, yeah. I think of him as one of the highest character guys on this entire team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
But but that was just one of those that they you know took a little bit of a risk because they thought they were getting good value there, and, and it has been. Michael Gallup too. And, Gallup yeah. is a freaking Gallup is, home run. Yeah, that that's probably your best third round pick of the last five years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, easily. Yeah, um, one of the best third round picks in recent memory, really. Um, I'm like Terrence Williams, JJ Wilcox, Demarco. Demarco was really good. Um, yeah, and I. Um, I was just asked this question before the show about is there a theme for third round picks? I mean, have the Cowboys had some really good ones? And because um, it was our social media team, I gave them four names over the years. And DeMarco Murray probably would have been the fifth one. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's very hit or miss. I mean, you got some really, you got some bad ones in there. So not all Jason Witten. In fact, yeah. there every five bad ones you can find a really good one. Which. The the looming the unsaid thing is that uh, at this point in his career, Connor McGovern is uh, that's that's a bummer, and maybe it's unrealistic to expect a guy picked ninetieth to start right away. But yeah, he's he's started fourteen games in three years. He missed his rookie season to due to a pec injury. He was benched when he did get his opportunity last year. It didn't work out well enough that they wanted to keep going with it. And then on top of that, we know that they had him much higher graded. Like, they picked him knowing they didn't really need a guard because that's how much they liked him. And that's that's kind of the stain right now because, I mean, you feel pretty good about where Neville is at this point in his career. And then Osa and Chauncey both were, again, like they had defined roles. Like, Osa was a rotational guy. Chauncey made plays on special teams and – did something it's fine both of them were amazing in like september and mm-hmm. october and they like they were very classic Typical like rookie very like wall. rookie yeah. wall yeah. i i did a write-up on osa right after the season and i was like 75 percent of your tfls came in the first like six weeks of the season and yeah. you can sort of see it nosedive after that but well, you still feel well, good about what the, they were on the field let's contributing. Fair. Let's be let's be uh, fair about it though. Neville Gallimore didn't play early yeah. in the year, and neither yeah. did Tristan Hill. And then they both kind of came back right. into the mix and and you know played and all that. But speaking but you, of what's going on with Tristan Hill, Dave, he's I don't, I don't <laughs> know he's entering a contract yeah. year yeah. and probably needs a year. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. This is Dang. this is the time when he he's got to kind of he's step up there. He's tough to to. Tony Tony Pollard is really the only thing holding that 2019 class together, which is it's hard because they didn't have a first round pick. You said that for years. It's weird. It's weird when you don't have a first round pick for some reason. Your second and your third and fourth round was suck too. Well, it's just it's just that you put so much pressure on that pick to be right. Usually, you looking at the history of the Cowboys. You just mentioned it earlier. They they win in the first round, so it makes everything. It colors the rest of the draft. Where if you win in the first round and second's kind of wonky, but third is pretty decent, then you kind of feel better about it. Let's assume you don't have a first round pick, and now second's kind of wonky, and third you feel pretty good about. That gives you a bad feeling about the overall draft. The right? worst drafts ever in Cowboys history are when they don't have a first round. Yeah, which I don't even steal a third or fourth. You know, Jason yeah. Witten's not coming out of that. He's coming out of the one with Terrence Newman in the first round. Yeah, the production that they were getting from Amari made it worth it, in my opinion. True. That's that's, that's that, not my fault that I mean, they decided they did to move have on. a first round yeah. that had already experience. It was yeah. a veteran, and, and that they'll definitely resign. I uh, mean, if if you look at it and, and keep, <laughs> if you look at it and say like, well, you know, Amari's still doing his thing, getting thousand yard seasons. Uh, we found Tony in the fourth, and Donovan Wilson's still kicking around. And I mean, Tristan and McGovern are still on the team at least. Like they aren't so they bad that you cut. had to yeah. cut them. Yeah. 
if Amari's on the team, you're like, yeah, I can live with that. But now that Amari's gone, you're like, man, that looks like crap. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys look <laughs> at the the draft picks from this last year in the third round, they had three of them: uh, Osa and Chauncey and Nashawn Wright. Talking about Osa and Chauncey first, do you think which one do you think, based on what you saw, you're more excited about what they can become? Chauncey. Really? Really? Because yeah. I think Osa. Because I think Osa too. But go I, ahead. I, I, why? That's why I wanted to say it first. Because I think. <laughs> no, I I think um, he's got this position flex that that's that's intriguing and if and if they wouldn't have re-signed Dorrance Armstrong I think I think that Golston could have could have been that guy mm-hmm. um I just like the fact that he missed all of camp he came in and he was pretty productive based off of a guy that really didn't have any preseason games or anything like that I'm he was excited. a rookie yeah I'm excited to see if he if he if, you know all off season, get some good training camp, get some good coaching preseason games. I think he has a chance to kind of make that second year leap as big as anybody else on the team. So this is what I I'm, I pulled up his his game logs. This is what I was talking about. Uh, yeah, from like from week two to week, uh, we'll say week five, he tallied eight quarterback hits, three tackles for loss, and both of his two sacks in the, in that like three or four week stretch. Now that's pretty good for a defensive tackle. It, it's yeah. very good yeah. for a rookie defensive tackle. Yeah. Now they were playing pretty bad teams. I mean Carolina and New York are in there, Philly's in there. Uh but he even I mean he had two hits on Justin Herbert in the win against the Chargers. And I just again he's a rookie draft in the third round. Like I don't expect you to do that week in, week out, but if you can do that and and I mean it 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 fell off a cliff after that. Like he had the rest of the year after the games I just listed off, he had three quarterback hits. The rest, the rest of the way. Do you happen to have his uh, the number of snaps he had in in those those games, the two to five? Kind of going to Nick's point of kind of his 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 play time may have declined. It didn't fall off as tra- crazy as you as you want to think. Like yeah. where he was, it it hovered around sixty during that stretch. And it did get into the 40s later on in the season, but he still, I mean, he played 63% against Denver. He played 56% against New Orleans, uh, 53 against Arizona. So he's yeah. so still getting plenty it, of time. It dipped, but not by, like, this crazy number. Yeah. Um, but if he can do that on a consistent basis, that is that could be very impressive production. Now, moving on to the other third-round pick from last year, Nashawn Wright, did you expect more from him uh, than what you saw? No. No, I, I think mean, he looked exactly like what he was billed as, which is like a developmental guy whose rare traits, aka being that long while still being pretty athletic. Um, Y'all were shocked, right? We were. So that he, made was it, that he was drafted there. there. Maybe the most shocked there. I've ever been. Okay, yeah. so really, so, wow. yes. So here we are. Fast forward a year. Yeah. I mean, again, like you say, I take time to to develop, but y'all look more correct about where he was than the Cowboys did. right now which really I let's not say y'all because that's the funny thing and he, he's not always right he'll be the first person to tell you that but Dane Brugler is so incredible at his job like he watches so many prospects he's got an idea of all of these players and when they called his name the first thing the rest of us did was open Dane's book like who the hell is this guy Dane what do you got for us do you know anything and Dane's like I think all the color went out of Dane's face he was like I have a seventh round grade on him and we were all just like okay guess we need to learn about Nashawn Wright during this commercial break and so that but and but we we had a whole conversation about it after that day is like 
it, the the pick is immediately colored by what the analysts know because that's what you can go on, right? So people are like, well, Dane thinks he's a seventh round pick. This is a terrible pick, and Dane will be the first one to say that doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah. We got to see how this thing plays out. And he does the grade for 32 teams. He he says yeah. this is what this player would be for most of the teams. But he's not Dan Quinn, and yeah. Dan Quinn has a vision of has what vision his, his, yeah. his guy is, and and there could be other team that had a seventh round pick. But having said that. Coaches can be just as wrong because yeah. Rod Marinelli is the reason why Tristan Hill is here and, and why Taco Charlton got drafted, probably. And what was the safety that Kansas City took instead of taking oh, Tristan um, Hill? They, there was like Juan Thornhill, Juan yeah, Thornhill, Juan who's been a pretty good player. So it's I, it, I mean, he played 13 games. He started the BS game against Philly at the end of the year. He he did make some nice contributions on special teams. Nation, right? Yeah. So, I mean. Scored a touchdown. Yeah. He was one of the yeah. 24. Yeah. About that. But twenty two. I I twenty. It wasn't twenty four. I think twenty two. I look at it as a red shirt year for a guy that needed some seasoning. But I am, I'm you know I'm curious to see what it looks like in year two. That's for sure. Yeah. And and here's what's interesting. If he has a really good off season, um, I don't like saying this because I mean the guy could be here all year. But you know, they, something's got to happen here with the cornerback position. And so, you know. Anthony Brown with his five million dollar price tag. I mean, you get to the end of the season and I mean end of training camp and all that. If if if, if Joseph and Nation Wright have made these leaps and all that, I mean it, it could happen where they maybe make a, a trade or something like that. Because because that's trying, what you hope for. That's what you hope for because we talk about progress stoppers all the time, and they don't want to have anyone that's going to be if it's the same and they're definitely not making the same. You want to get these guys on the field, but they they, they would. I mean. They talk so much about saving money against the cap. It would be their dream to be but, able to shed some of that veteran salary. And I talk out of this side of my mouth, and I think you start cutting your depth at cornerback, mm-hmm. and then you end up signing the Richard Robinson from you know at the end of the season, and the Chris Westries who's still in the league playing well. But I mean, but you sign these. Starting, I've seen you. Him yeah, but you sign these to start guys for that, Baltimore because right. they had no one else. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, cutting. Cutting depth at cornerback is kind of tricky. Yeah, that's it, one position where I'm like, I, I can't have enough. Yeah, keep, keep you're them, right about keep that. Keep them. I, I want to keep those guys here. All right, screw that. Don't make that trade. But because he'll get on the field, Nashawn Wright will get on the field. I think you could, if Wright, Nashawn, if Wright. Kelvin and or Wright was good enough, you could deal one of those vets. I don't think it would be smart to get rid of both of them. I mean, and Kelvin Joseph and you know Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown. I mean, that's one, two, three on the roster right there. They all changed numbers. Yeah, I know. One, two, three. What, what are all the numbers that are changed? I know. Oh, we have time them. for this. You um, want to throw that out there? No. Just, those are the <laughs> those are no. the significant ones. Kelvin Joseph is one. Jordan Lewis is two. Anthony Brown is three. Uh, huh. Dak is still four. Dak's still four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Golston ninety nine. Chauncey Golston's ninety nine now. But that ninety nine. I mean, Fowler's going to wear fifty six, which he's worn for most of James his career. James Washington eighty three. I believe so. Eighty three. Eighty. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Maquamu uh, went to 24. Yeah, but from what I hear, it might not last very long. Hook, hooker, yeah. Yeah, Hooker oh, might hooker want it. That's, it's going to change again. I've, I feel so— oh, I, tell, I, them, I, tell them about the new receiver, though, that they draft. Oh, there's, dude, there's only like— <laughs> there's, one? there's one number available for wide Guess receiver right now. And it's nine. number nine. <laughs> but see, that's—but like, they'll, they'll make uh, TJ Vasher move or something yeah. if they want to. That's yeah. I love the new number rule because it's fun and guys get yeah. to wear what they want to wear, but 
I feel sorry for Mike McCord. Your equipment Bucky manager Bro- does uh, not like it. No. no. Bucky McCord. Also, eating Jordan Lewis. How many times is he going to change numbers? He's like, is it True. three times already? I was kind of surprised it? by that because I believe 26 was his college number. So it's weird to see a guy get out of his college number and into something new. But but the single digits do look cooler. They you do. i got to admit, than 26. It's, it's a cooler looking number. I'd keep a couple open, though, just for the draft. Yeah. But, just, like... You never know. Before this rule, the equipment guys really only had to worry about this like around draft time. It's like, okay, we drafted this guy, we got to rearrange this. Now, from like February to June, it's like, hey, Mike, for Mike, how do I get into? How do I get this? It's like, oh my god, dude, just leave me alone. I got <laughs> enough Mike. stuff going on. <laughs> Poor Mike. All right, we appreciate you guys, Jonas. We'll be back next week. Uh, at least these three guys will be back. They'll, uh, I'm sure, be getting you guys ready for yeah. draft. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!